Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Listen, when you were a kid, all of you remember back when you were a kid, for some it was longer than others, but nonetheless, everybody here was a kid at one time or another, and our perspective when we're kids are different than they are as we grow up, right? Our perspective changes a little bit. The way we look at life, Sam, the way we look at things, uh, totally uh, is different than it was before. Uh, just as a random example, think about yourself as a little kid, right? Um, maybe in whatever, a, a small child, and you're at home with mom and dad, and it's at night, and the power goes off. We had a storm here in Atlanta, I guess a couple days ago. A lot of people's power went out. Well, you can just imagine yourself as a little kid it's at night, and boom, all the power in the house goes off. And then your, your parents tell you, hey, listen, uh, Joey or Jill, listen, why don't you go get a flashlight uh, from the basement? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, let's just think about that really honestly, and, and what is our response? What is our reaction? Wow, hold on. I'm a little kid. It's night. There's a big storm going on outside. There's thunder and lightning. The power just went dramatically off. And mom and dad just told me to get a flashlight from the basement. I think that your response and my response would have been as a kid at that time, no way. No way. Not unless you go first. <laughs> right. I can just totally, I mean, and if you're really honest, if you think about it, you put yourself in the, the shoes of that kid. No way. No way I'm going to the basement in the dark when, when it's just, just flat out really dark uh, to, to try to get a flashlight or anything else by myself. There is no way I am doing that. You go first, mom and dad. That, that's the, then I'll follow you, right? Yeah, I got no problem going downstairs getting that flashlight. Let me just follow you. Okay, that's, that's, that's fair enough. If mom and dad, mom or dad is leading the way, I have no problem following them into the dark basement. Because why? I don't know what's down there. I can't see. I'm not sure of my steps. And my parents... They have been down in the basement many, many more times than me, and they know exactly what's down there and where I need to go to get the flashlight. And regarding, regarding the unknown of what's down there, as long as I stay right behind them, I know I'm going to be safe. Fair enough. Does that make sense? Someone say amen. <laughs> uh, it just makes sense, right? This, this is this is where we're at. This is what we got to do. Uh, and, and as a kid, that's a rational perspective, really. I think. Guess what? King David felt the same way. Let's go to Psalm chapter sixteen. King David felt the exact same way. Only difference is that when King David wrote this, he wasn't a little kid. How interesting. 
Let's take a look at this in Psalm chapter 16. Let's hear what the great psalmist said. Melech David. David, Melech Yisrael. Psalm chapter 16, verse 8. Listen, listen here to what David says. He says, I have set Adonai always before me. Since he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your faithful ones see the pit. You make known to me the path of life. Abundance of joys are in your presence. Eternal pleasures at your right hand. Well, man is right, Jack. Okay, I want to dig into this passage a little bit. It is rich. Let's dig into this passage just a little bit. King David says what? He says he will not be shaken. He will not be shaken. Other translations of this verse say that he cannot be moved. That King David says, I can never be moved. Now, this is what King David is saying, right? Listen, what I'm going through right now, I'm not going to be shaken. I cannot be moved. Now, now think about how confident and strong that is. If, if you're a person and you're saying something so strong as, I can't be shaken. That's strong, y'all. That's really strong. I cannot be moved. Wow, that is some serious confidence. That, that, is, that is some real strength, if you will. And But why is it that King David is so very confident of this? King David is so confident. I can't be shaken. I can't be moved. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you know, gosh, you know what's been going on in the world today not even just way over there in the Middle East with, with, with Israel, but, but in, in our backyards. I mean, you know what happened in Athens just a week and a half ago, or, or what happens in communities every day, what, what happens every day, sadly, even in our own country, in, in big and small communities all over. How is it that King David says that he can't be shaken? Good grief. There's a, if you know the story of King David, there was a lot of reason for him to be shaken. There was a lot of reason for him to be absolutely mortified, petrified. Even once he was, when he was a small teenager, he was fighting wild animals, wild beasts. Then he fights Goliath. Shaken? You'd think. Then he's anointed to be king, right? around that same time. And, and then he's pursued by King Saul to kill him, so much so that he has to go into exile. He's being chased for his life all over the place. And then even when King Saul dies, he becomes king. And then it's, it's not long, he's fighting battles all over the place. And then his own son tries to usurp him and take over the throne, so much so that he has to go out of exile, out of Jerusalem, just to survive and his son totally messes with him and his, and, and his family. And y'all, King David had a lot of reason to be shaken, more than all of us combined. And yet he says here, I will not be shaken. Why is he so confident of this? Why is, does he say, I, I can never be moved? That's a lot of confidence for somebody who, man, has gone through horrific things. Well, he tells us why in the verse, if we look carefully at it, and this is the core reason, and friends, beyond this, this is key to us. It's key for us in living a prosperous and blessed life of shalom. Do you want to live a good life, a life of blessing, a life of shalom, which means peace? Do you want to live a life of peace? Do you want to live a life where you're not torn about by every little thing that's going on? Where, where, you're, where you're not shaken by things, whether it be your personal 
safety or, 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 or fear of, of the future or, or whatever else is going on. How can you live that life? King David gives us the answer here in Psalm 15. Look back at verse 8. King David says, I have set Adonai always before me. See, want to know why King David can't be moved? Want to know why King David cannot be shaken? Because he always sets God before him. He always sets God before him. That's the key. Friends, that's the key to why he can't be shaken, because God is leading him. God, he says, God is always, I place God always before me. God is leading him. God, for David, is running point man. You know, point, point man or the point person in an army is the guy who's leading in front. And why is that kind of a, not kind of, why is that a dangerous position? Because they're the ones that are first receiving fire from the enemy. And so the point man is the person who is really protecting all the other soldiers who are behind them. You know, we, this is something we know. And this is what King David said was key as to why he's not shaken, as to why he can't be moved. I place God always before me. Beloved, when King David, when King David needed to go to the basement to get a flashlight, he set God in front of him. <laughs> he set God in front of him. That's what he did. Uh, I tell you what, God, uh, you lead the way. <laughs> you, you lead the way, God. The power just went out in the house. I got to get a flashlight. Down in the basement, it's scary. <laughs> God, I tell you what, you lead the way. I'll be right behind you, God. That's what King David did. Verse 9 says that his body rests secure. It's, his body rests secure. He, he's at ease. Just like that kid, right, who follows mom and dad. If mom and dad are going down, if, if we follow our heavenly father, it gives us peace. If we're really truly following him, in the path that he has laid out for us, then we're going to have peace. Even if things kind of look like it's a whole bunch of a, like a balagon, that's a Hebrew expression. Even if it looks like confusion and, uh, and, and, and trouble and surus and, and uh, wow, I'm using Yiddish now. I, I got to, um, you know, if, if it's, uh, if it's all difficult and their trials and their tribulations, right? As long as you're following point man God, you can rest secured. You can have shalom, man. You can have serious peace. See, when we're following dad, I can't be shaken. I can't be moved. My body rests secure. This is exactly what King David is saying explicitly right here. There's a lot of stress in the world today. I, I read a statistic recently regarding Gen Z, and, uh, and, and it is a significant percentage of Gen Zers that have mental health challenges. And, and listen, the, the answer that we, that we need to be following first our very first thing we need to be doing is following God. He can give us a peace that nothing else can do. Right? Verse 11 says that God makes known the path of life. That's what it's, this is all in this little bitty passage. It's so interesting in Psalm 16. King David reveals to us it's almost like a cheat code. You know, if you're playing a, a game, you know, if you're a gamer, my, my kids, I tell you what, they, they, they definitely are gamers. But, but nonetheless, my kids, yeah, they like the gaming and stuff. But man, they go on YouTube and look at these kind of cheat codes sometimes. You know, if they, if they come up against a hard part of the game, they look it up online. I'm like, dude, you don't look it up online. 
come on, man, you got to, you got to man or woman up here and you got to figure it out. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. We want to, we want to move on with the game. And it's like the, they'll finish one of these complicated games in like days. You know, it takes me two and a half years. <laughs> and they're not even really exaggerating, right? And and so, but we know here what's going on with this. Verse 11 says that God makes known the path of life. God, King David gives us the cheat code in Psalm chapter 16. My kids will will love this, (laughs) right? He gives us the answers with all different parts of it. Set him in the front. Why? Why set him in the front? Why put him right in front of you, y'all? Because of the fact that God makes known the path of life. This makes sense. When my kids were smaller, when we went through the airport, I always, the kids are smaller, I always led us to parking, to the parking lot. I always led us to the ticket counter at the airport. I always led us through security. That's complicated, especially to a little kid, right? I always led us to the gate and make sure we got on the right plane. So I led them. I led them. I showed them the path to get where they were going. Why? Because I knew the path. I knew the path. I'm a medallion member with Delta, y'all. I fly a lot, okay, right? In my job that I had before I was in, in uh, as, a, as a rabbi, I worked for Fortune 500 companies, and there was one job I had that I traveled all the time. Man, I was just a... And I know airports, right? And so I know the path. I know it intimately well. And so I lead and the kids follow me. That's how it works. See, the problem with so many of us today, if I could, if you'll allow me a little liberty and if I could put it this way, the problem with many of us today is that we're a little bit too big for our britches. That was very Southern, wasn't it? You know, I don't even know. I see Oliski here and he's, he's from California. He's like, what does that mean? Can somebody translate that? That's, that's some Southern, Southern colloquialism. <laughs> I just think that, you know, we think we got it together a little bit too much. An eight-year-old, an eight-year-old kid that walks out the door of his house and says, yep, I'm going to be flying to Europe today. Oh, really? Oh, you're going to be flying to Europe today. That's nice. Good for you, right? And they're flying. They say, I'm going to fly my own to Europe. They're they're in store for a rude awakening. (laughs) I have one of these gut feelings. They ain't going to make it there by themselves, right? Because aside from having not bought them a ticket, (laughs) I didn't even mention to them, even even if they've been with me on various plane rides when they were little, I didn't even mention to them the need for a passport and navigating passport control, all the other stuff involved in traveling overseas. If some cocky eight-year-old said they could do it, you and I all know it would not end well. (laughs) It would not end well. Because on top of the simple navigation, there are also bad people in the world. You know, there are bad people in the world. You don't want an eight-year-old on their own trying to do all this by themselves. It's part of your role. It's part of your job as as mom and dad. Look after your kids. Yet all too often, we think that we have it all under control. We we look and, and we would we would belittle the eight year old. <laughs> Kid thinks he can. T- <laughs> look at that. How, how quaint. Let your old thinks they can fly your father around. Oh my gosh, that's great. I got to get a clip on that for for a YouTube short. We belittle the eight-year-old whilst exalting our own abilities. Friends, 
See, David was a grown man. David was a grown man. And he said, I have set God always before me. Did you notice, too, if you're looking at it carefully, he didn't say, I have set God sometimes before me. No, he didn't say that. It's not sometimes. Not, see, he didn't say, I've set God before me when I get sick or when I need him in a pinch. That's when I set God before me. Or when I really don't have any clue as to what to do. That's when I set God before me. Or when I have a test coming up, I'm definitely dialing up God then. <laughs> no, no, not, not in my translation. No, he said, I have set God always before me. See, the difference between us and the eight-year-old is that all too often, we actually try to do it on our own. Hubris, man. We try to do it on our own. We're the eight-year-old that thinks we're going to fly to Europe by ourselves. I don't need anybody. I can do this. Oh, really? That's, that's us. We look sometimes and, and would, would imagine that in a condescending way, but we need to be looking in a mirror. I don't care how old we are. You know Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. Do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, don't think that you can, or for that matter, even need to, figure it all out. Sometimes I get people in my office for counseling, and they're, and they're like, Rabbi, I just, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. And I'm like, Bubba, join the club. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen either. I don't, I don't claim to know the, the, everything in the future. I know who holds the future. This is why I'm not shaken. You see? It, it changes everything. You, regardless of what it is, something doesn't turn out the way that you want it to or that, that you think it should. Okay, I get that. It's, it can be confusing at times. It can be hurtful at times. But I know the one who's got I, I know the one who knows the path. I know the one who knows the path. See, and if I really believe that, if you really believe it, then it's not going to shake you so much when that happens to you that you didn't expect that wasn't on your bingo card and that you didn't really think it or understand how that plays into it. Listen, th this is not exclusive to you. This happens to the rabbi as well. That's right. Things happen to the rabbi, and the rabbi says, why in the world is this happening? God, I don't get this. That certainly happens to me. If you're looking to, to be at a, at, a, at a congregation where the rabbi knows everything, you have come to the wrong synagogue. Okay. My wife said, amen. No, she doesn't. <laughs> She's coming tomorrow. It's a, uh, I can feel her saying amen. <laughs> Listen, what does it say? It says, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Again, he will lead you if you let him lead you. Now, you got to let him lead you. Brother or sister, I'm going to tell you something. If you do not let him lead you, you should be shaking. Luke chapter 22. Because he will not force his way into your driver's seat of your life. He's not going to force his way into that driver's seat. You have to invite him to drive. You got to invite him to drive. But, you know, it, this makes sense. And think about it for just a minute. 
if you invite him to drive, it requires some, exactly. It requires some humility. That's exactly right. It requires some humility. Because <laughs> if you think you have it all figured out, then you're not going to be seeking his face. Yeah, I got this one. I got this one. Okay. You got it? Okay. Because honestly, oftentimes, oftentimes our own minds don't lead us to the best decisions. We need God's direction. In fact, even Yeshua knew that we needed to rely on the Father's direction. Luke 22, Messiah himself, as, as I think as many ways, as an example to us, Luke twenty two forty one, and he, being Yeshua, pulled back about a stone's throne from them. This is when he was about to go to the execution stake. He got on his knees and began to pray, saying, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Wow, what a great model for us. Friends, you have to let him lead. You have to let him lead. You have to let God lead you. That's the key. That's the key. Put him in front of you. Let him and his word light your path. He sees the way through the darkness. He see, let me say, he sees the way through the darkness. Psalm chapter 139, please. Psalm 139. <laughs> when I say he sees the way through the darkness, I am not in the least bit exaggerating. I'm talking in every way in your life where it seems pitch black and dark to you, where you can't see anything, where you have no clue where to go, where the fog is, is totally surrounding you, where it's like you're, you're lost as to what to do. Man, God's got this. If you just place him in front of you and then follow him, he's going to lead you on the right path. What does it say in Psalm 139, verse 11? It says, the psalmist says, even, or rather, if I say, surely darkness covers me, night keeps light at a distance from me. And then he says, even darkness is not dark for you, O God. And night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike. Wow, that's deep. Oh, do you see the consistency and the continuity of the message that's being put forward in all these different passages here? Beloved, that means that he is, God is not afraid of going into the basement at night. Not in the least bit. He's not the least bit afraid of going to the basement at night. Why? Because darkness and light are the same. He can see. It feels like darkness surrounding him. It's nothing to him. He brings, by the way, he brings his own light. You need, and because of that, you need not fear. Oh, if you really get this, it, it can change you. It can change anxiety. It can take anxiety away from you, y'all. Depression anger, frustration, confusion. You need not fear. When you go into a dark basement, it's easy to become afraid. But you're at peace if he leads you. He's got night vision. Psalmist says that darkness, even darkness is not dark for you, God. Wow. Night is as bright as day. That's amazing. That's really cool. And if you've ever been in the dark, and I mean really in the dark, you know what it's like. I've been spelunking before. Uh, feel free to look that up on the internet if you don't know what it is. It's like, it's like going into a cave, right? Caving, whatever. I've been spelunking a number of times in my life. I mean, if you look at me, you could probably tell I'm uh, like a highly tuned athlete. The laugh, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate Okay, this is my younger years. 
Actually, I did get stuck in a cave one time when I was spelunking, come to think of it. This is not part of my message, but yeah, it was, it was a Temple Teen event, and I got stuck in the cave. There was a certain point, part where it was very, very small, and I'm not what you would call a small man. And, uh, and it was a part, thank God, uh, my friend uh, Mark, not this one, but uh, well, one, of our other, one of our service leaders was behind me. And there came a moment where I'm like, wow, I actually can't move. And, you know, there's that moment where you kind of freak out a little bit when you're just, I'm not really claustrophobic per se, but when you're like literally can't move in the middle of a cave, you know, half a mile down or something, it was like, okay, whew, just breathe a little bit. Kev, breathe. She, okay. Hey, Mark. Yeah. Can you push me? <laughs> And so I'll never forget him. Mean, he was behind me and he just saw my feet there and through this little hole. And he was like, wow, there's a reason I didn't want to include that in the message. Anyway, generally speaking, spelunking, I love, I love going into caves. It's fun. In fact, it's one of the more fun things I've done is going to caves and stuff, but it can be intimidating. It, it certainly can be. In fact, uh, recently, uh, when we were in Iceland, uh, we went into a cave, and we went into this cave, and we went pretty deep into this cave in Iceland. Um, it was a it was an old lava cave, actually, and and at a certain point, the guides told us, "Okay, everybody, turn off your headlamps." You know, this is a famous thing you do in a cave. You know, this happened in other caves I've been in. Turn off your headlamp. So everybody turns off their headlamp. And friends, it's not like it's not like it was dark. No, it's that really doesn't even really describe it dark or it's not like it was black or something. It was nothing. 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 I mean nothing. I mean and of course they told us it's a famous thing if you've ever been spelunking you you know this when you're deep in a cave. And you turn off your headlamps, and I've spent the night in caves before. But they said, "Okay, now you know, put put your hands right in front of your face, you know, so you're doing this, right?" And and even when it's very, very, very dark outside, and you're and maybe you're in your bedroom or you're in your tent or whatever, even as dark as you could get, if we turned out all the lights in here, after your eyes adjust for a while, it will pick up even the slightest glimmer. The slightest little glimmer of light. It will, and, and when you do this, you'll be able to see just a little, a little shading, a little something's going in front of my face. But man, when you are in a cave like that, and it is just there's nothing. I mean, somebody could be you know just throwing a punch at you that's like a quarter inch away. Wow, that is now if I accidentally hit myself there, that would have been hilarious on YouTube. That would have that would have been a, one of these memes. You know, it's like. A, Look at man of God, ah, you know, punch myself out. Uh, anyway, uh, and so, but if somebody, I, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't flinch because you can't see the distant glimpse of anything. It is nothingness, absolute, complete nothingness. In fact, they told us, they said, they said, yeah, if, if, uh, if, if, if you were in here by yourself or if your lamps, if our lamps went out, you you would not be able to get out of here on your own, period, no chance. And they told us years ago, somebody you know went in and they were they had they had to just they they eventually just waited, prayed somebody else would come in, and someone else did, and they were rescued. But with God, darkness and light are alike. God is never in the dark. God is never in the dark. So as long as you are always right behind him, you never, 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 never need to fear. You never need to fear. Despite how things around you might look. He's got this. Even if it is in, into the unknown See, on a practical level, this means don't rely solely on your own giftings. We've got a lot of university students here. All of them are in different majors. There's business majors. There's political science majors. There's theology majors. I'm sure there's math majors, English majors. There's lots of different, and, and these people are specializing in psychology. 
whatever it is. These people are specializing in, 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 in a particular discipline. And, and you're getting to be better than almost anybody else that's around in the area that you're studying. That's great. Whatever it is, that's wonderful. I mean, please, God, I'm operating in, in a certain gifting that God has given me. Other people may debate that. But the point is, <laughs> don't rely on your own gift. Don't solely rely on your own giftings. Rather, rely on the giver of the giftings. You gotta rely on the giver of the giftings. I may have be a you know a fair speaker, but if I rely on my gifting, the messages I give will fall like a brick. Clunk. Won't mean anything. It's only through the anointing of the Ruach, of the Spirit of God, that they carry life. That's the reason why any message, any words of mine would have any impact on anybody. It's not because of me and my giftings and, and my glib tongue. No, 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 no. It's because of the spirit of the living God speaking through me, please, God. I pray for an anointing. See, you can't rely. God gives you giftings, and you can work and operate in those giftings, but always be looking more and relying more on the giver of the giftings, not the giftings themselves then God will use you through your giftings. Sometimes you hear sports stars, right? Uh, and, it, and I think it's great. I always think it's totally cool. We've seen this even in the Super Bowl recently. But sometimes you hear sports stars say things like, you know, they're interviewed after they win a big game, and they say, hey, I want to thank God who blessed me with this opportunity. Yes, thank you, God. And always the interviewer goes, you know, more or less, you can read the body language. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm asking you about the game, please. So, you know, and, and they're like, you know, let's move past the God thing. You can say, okay, I, I love it when they thank God. I love it when they thank God, Evan. You know, I think it's pretty cool, right? But you rarely hear salespeople say, uh, yeah, I got a big sale. Yes, Psh, high five. I'd like to thank God for this opportunity. And, you know, it's like, what? Or the barista, you know, at a, at a Starbucks. You hold on, you want a mocha caramel macchiato? Hold on, with, with light cream and, and double espresso and, and, and a whip dip flip? Okay, hold on, I gotta... And Wow, that's exactly what I asked for. Yes, I want to thank God for letting me make that, that drink. You don't really hear it as much, right? Or teachers or what? Okay, right, right, friends. We have to let God lead in our lives. Yes, even in, in, in areas. I'm not saying that we should be high-fiving each other after everything and, and saying, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. This, this, is, not, this is not the point. It, it, the point is what's in our hearts. Let him lead us in every area of our lives. Did I say every? Yeah, every. Why? Because David said always. I always put God in front of me. We have to let God lead in our lives. Let him go before us to lead the way and light the path. See, in the natural, in the natural, what do they do? When I got my MBA at Emory University, they taught me about how to make decisions. Man, they gave me a lot of instruction, a lot of details as to how to make decisions about things. And, and they, they taught me things like make a pro and con chart to make a decision. Make, okay, make a list of pros and cons. You've heard this. I'm not saying it's a bad exercise to do, but that's make a pros, which, which one outweighs the other. Or, or, but the word tells us to seek his face. Right When I was in grad school or when I was at Georgia Tech, they told us to do a SWOT analysis to make a decision. But, but maybe God says, you know what? I hear you in the natural, but I want you to, I want you to put your children first. But what about this? That's nice. I want you to put your children first. See, it's not that we're never to do analytics. We are to, to do our job and to do analytics. That's not the point. The point is to earnestly seek his face and his will, to commit your ways to him. Why? Because he wants what is best for you, and he wants what will bless you. Like, seriously, Psalm 37, please, Psalm 37. 
And, and does this mean, well, gosh, Rabbi, does that mean that God doesn't care what I think at all? And so I just got to like, you know, always follow him and I never have any input into the decision at all. And he doesn't even care. Well, first of all, probably eh, wrong attitude, but, but nonetheless, <laughs> let's pause for a minute. And let's examine the question though. Psalm 37 verse four says, delight yourself in Adonai and he will give you the requests of your heart. Commit your ways to Adonai, trust in him and he will do it. See, you want God to do it? Well, when it says to delight yourself in God and commit your ways to God, it means to give God the reins. Give God the reins. Delight yourself in, in God. Commit your ways to God. That means commit your finances to God. That means commit your marriage to God. That means commit your priorities to God. That means commit your serving to God, in your heart, in your tongue. See, if you want him to lead, don't say to God, well, I want you to lead me, but not in this area. In this area, I got things under control. I kind of got the area. If lead me in my career, but not in this part, not in this, I, I got this. You don't have to, you got much more important things to worry about God. I got this. I know it says this in your word, but, you know, maybe that was written for the people way back then. And listen, I got this. You don't have to worry about that, God. Just, just please keep me from getting in a car accident. Or God, just, just heal me from cancer. That's all I care about. What about all the other stuff? You know what? That's phony. God isn't in a phony. Don't expect for God to bless you if you play that game. You're pushing him aside and doing it your way. See, delight in him, and then he will consider your desires, your requests. But if you're delight, here's the cool thing about this verse that a lot of people don't get. If you're truly delighting yourself to him, if you're truly committing your ways to him, then the desires of your heart are frequently going to line up with what is in his will for you. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, as we prepare to conclude the introduction. Proverbs 14, please. <laughs> the least students were like, oh my, wow, boy, this guy's, his rabbis don't play, man. <laughs> Proverbs 14, verse 12 says this. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Friends, you've got to submit yourself to the Lord. Don't rely. <laughs> Oliski, you, you'll, you'll be with it. Don't rely on your own Yiddish cup. <laughs> right, you know? Man, I tell you what, Oliski's testimony the other day talked about the fact that he spent many years relying on his Yiddish cup. His Yiddish cup, okay? But Isaiah 40 tells us even youths, even youths grow tired and weary. But the Lord will renew your strength. See, we can't rely just on ourselves. We've got to rely on him. Even youths grow tired and weary. You know, i got these lead folks here, these university students here. I bet that, that every one of them could beat me in some kind of a distance race. <laughs> wow, a couple of them are saying no. God bless you. Some really self-aware young adults. I love it. That's great. Yes, I still think you'd beat me. But anyway, but the point the point is that the point is is that even youths will get tired after a while. Even even some of these some of these folks who are clearly, you know, like you know, our cantor today, man. He's 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 a trainer. Man, this guy. Okay, but even he could get tired after a while. It would take a long time for this guy. I, I was reading, <laughs> I was reading a, a story of 2022, just a couple of years ago, and a guy named Alexander from somewhere over there in Europe set a world record for the longest distance run in 24 hours, one 24-hour period. He ran, I can't even believe it, 199 miles. 
<laughs> that was my reaction too. It's like, what? I didn't think that was humanly possible, right? In 24 hours, he ran 199 miles. It's 198 and a half. Okay, 199 miles in 24 hours? That's nuts. I can't even believe that. It's unreal to me. But you see, as great as that is, here's the question. What if he had needed to get 200? <laughs> Too bad. There's no human being alive that could do it. He couldn't do it. He's the, the greatest that there is in the world today at distance running in 24 hours. He couldn't do it. Nobody in the world's ever done it. What if he needed to get 200 miles? See, friends, we have our limits. We have our limits. Or, or for that matter, what if he was going the wrong direction? <laughs> he gets like, hold on, where, where, where's the finish line? It's like, oh, it was the other, the other way on the street. Oh, no, he turns around. I feel like Forrest Gump at this point, you know? He kept running and running. Hmm. What, if you, what if he only needed to go two miles? What if he just needed to go next door? See, God knows best what we need. Seek his direction through prayer, through reading of the word, through seeking godly counsel. Let's conclude with a very famous passage, Psalm chapter 23. Let's conclude with that one. See, I'm telling you, y'all, this is the key. This is the key. Listen to the two middle verses sandwiched in the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm, of course, is one of the great ones. Most of you know it by heart. It's so powerful. But the, listen to the two middle verses in context for what we've talked about today. It's so interesting. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, uh, King David says what? He being God, God restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. See, David says that God guides him in the path. And consequently, he will fear no evil, for God is with him. You see? It's a consistent message, Achim v'achayod, brother and sister. Brothers and sisters, it's the same message. God will lead you through the dark if you let him. Even in the hardest time, even in the worst sickness, even in the most brutal disappointment, even in the deepest loss, even in death itself, we need fear, no evil, because God is with us, holding our hand and leading us through the dark. But the choice is yours. The title of my message is, Let God Lead. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you and you've never committed your life to God, but you would like to today, wherever you are, lift your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never said yes to Messiah Yeshua, never said, God, I'm going to follow you all my days, never received Yeshua into your heart, but you'd like to today, raise your hand and we'll pray together. Perhaps you're watching online and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. Repeat this simple prayer after me and God will transform your life. Say, dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Thank you, God. I'll follow you the rest of my days. 
please forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, if you're in this room, please see me after the service. We just want to celebrate with you the decision you just made. If you're watching online, please send us an email just to say, yes, I've made a decision to follow God. It's the best decision you could ever make. Why? Because he knows the path. He knows the path. God, I want to pray for every other person who is here, either in this room or is watching online. God, I, I pray that you touch each and every person, Lord, and let them let you lead. Let us, please God, let you lead. Let us not rely on our own understanding. Let us not rely on our own giftings. Let us look to the giver of the giftings, knowing that you know the path. And if we follow you, Lord, we will not be shaken. Lord, we will not be moved. God, we will not have any fear. We will have peace, in fact. Why? Because we know who is leading the way. And the person, the one, the entity leading the way, being you, God, there is no darkness. And you know the path. Mm, that's a sweet deal. God, I thank you for this, Lord. Help us and let that encourage us. Let that uplift us, God, and give us hope for our, our own future and for what is, to, what is to come amongst those around us. God, we bless you for this. We thank you so much. We ask these things in Yeshua's name as we commit our lives to you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehel family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.